today on Fright and Failures on Film, we are getting you ready for your summer of horror. That's right, it is an all-trailer Palooza episode. We'll be discussing the new trailer for Ghostbusters. So, strap on your proton packs and get ready to get slimed because it's time for... So, thank you all for listening to another wonderful episode of Frightful Failures on Film, the show that never that is never the same concept twice. Uh, we've we've we're kind of working out the kinks as we go along. We pride ourselves in that. Yeah, that it'll never be the same show twice. Um, yeah. So instead of talking about a movie this week, we decided to go over uh, a series of trailers for all the big budgeted horror films that are supposed to be coming out. Uh, this summer, although I have to say, when I was watching them, the trailer for a, yet another Amityville movie came up from last year that I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't look like complete dog shit, but it was kind of like retreading a lot of the same ground. Although, yeah. Red, although Red Foreman from that '70s show was on, was in the movie, and I was like, <laughs> so was that the ending? He just sticks his foot up the devil's ass. Like, is that how it? Is that Whoa! How it yeah, it just pops in. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, when you're looking up trailers. A lot of times, uh, it, it'll have on the side, uh, oh, this new horror trailer. Like for instance, uh, they had the remake of Cabin Fever, and I thought, oh my gosh, wow, I, I didn't even realize that was coming. And then once you dig into it, you realize, oh, this was straight to DVD, and this came out last year. Okay. Right, right. Like, oops, I'm a little late to the party on that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, this is, uh, I feel like, uh, we had a lot to say about when we did a trailer in the first episode. And so this will be hopefully pretty, pretty, uh, contentful, I would hope. Well, we'll find out. Either it will work out perfectly or we'll have to re record with something else. And by the way, if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you for finding us. Uh, my name is Zach Romero. I'm one half of the, uh, the hosts here. Uh, Tien Guignol is, is, is my partner, uh, both in life and in this, uh, in this, in this broadcast. Hey, folks. I'm again. <laughs> and, uh. Try new characters for the show. Don't, please don't. Please don't ever, ever do that uh, again. Exactly. I, I wanted to do, have you seen, uh, Slashers? No. Mm, yeah. Um, it was actually, um, are you familiar with the Haunted House Run? Yes. Yeah. It's, like, based on that movie Slashers. That, like, it came out, I think, in, like, 2001, which is the same year that, uh, Run <laughs> uh, was made, so it was like, it came out in July, and the Halloween Horror Nights team, like, saw that and went, a game show where, with serial killers killing the contestants? Oh, well, we never heard of that, and then they made Run. But it's really interesting, it's like a Japanese game show, and they do have one of the serial killers is Chainsaw Charlie, who's just a giant redneck, says, Hattie, you gonna be nice to Charlie? Oh, you gonna give Charlie a kiss? And well, so, thinking maybe that character would be good. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that becoming annoying at all. I don't really... Well, let's get started, then! <laughs> oh, I will never listen to this episode again. Anyway, uh, so our first yeah, no, trailer... I, I... Our, our first trailer up here is uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I uh, believe is coming out, what, this weekend? This week, March 11th, it is coming out. Um, and this particular tour we're going to listen to did come out uh, a month ago. Um, and as you guys recall, I mean, there was like barely any announcement of this movie at all. Uh, they just 
boom, dropped the trailer and said, oh, by the way, it's coming out next month. Um, and <laughs> it's already so, done. It's already on its way. Yeah, classic J.J. move. And there hasn't been another trailer since. There's been one trailer for this, which honestly I respect. In a world, in a world where there's too many trailers, um, <laughs> and you feel like trailers, like Deadpool, for instance, not that you would know, but um, but Deadpool, you know, it's like a lot of the jokes get spoiled by the trailers because you just watch the trailers over and over, and you've seen so many TV spots and so many ads for it. Um, whereas this, apparently we're getting one trailer and a couple TV spots, and that's it. Go see the movie. True, which it's I don't think is necessarily a bad thing because yeah. uh, lots of people said that when the movie 300 first came out and had like a teaser trailer which didn't really show you much of anything that that was the most effective marketing of that of that uh, movie until of course they started showing men with abs but up until that point it was just like you caught very little of what was going on you either knew what it was or you didn't and everybody was interested. And we've kind of gotten away from that. It's more of, like you said, uh, the quantity of, hey, we're going to give you every trailer, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, hopefully responding to every possible demographic who might want to see this movie. Yeah. And, uh... And just basically spoil everything. And it's like, oh, okay, great. Basically, yeah. Give you every single joke from the, you know, if it's a comedy, give you every joke we can possibly fit into a two-minute trailer. Um, but let's be honest, J.J. knows how to market a movie, you know, just to be completely real. Just to talk about the first Cloverfield, uh, a very well-marketed movie. Um, and even though he's saying this isn't a straight-up sequel, um, that, uh, you know, he, he still is marketing very well. And we'll, we'll hear that when we hear the trailer. But, uh, I mean... By the way, did you end up getting to see Star Wars or Deadpool yet? No, and actually I, I wanted to use that as a joke um, about the uh, the Ghostbusters trailer that uh, that I will resoundingly not see that movie in theaters. Not because I don't think it's going to be a great film, but because I apparently just don't do that. I only yeah. see crap that just nobody wants to look at. You just forgot how to go to the movie. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah. And there's one like literally across the street from me, and I'm like, My eh. God. I, 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 Here's the thing, and I was thinking about this, and this thing I didn't even mention. By, by the way, I think there's a there's a poll on our Instagram right now, at Frightful Failures, um, about whether you should see Deadpool or Star Wars first. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad that I'm leaving the judgment <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, haven't you at this point had every single moment of Force Awakens spoiled for you? Uh, actually, um, not not exactly. Um, there are a few things that I know that are definitely spoilers. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know that uh, Luke comes back. Okay, I know that. Okay. I know that um, uh, that a certain beloved character dies. Do you know that R two D two and C three PO have a baby in the movie? <laughs> No, I missed that. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, that yeah. sounds incredibly painful. Um, it is. Uh, I heard that Jar Jar comes back as a Sith Lord. Jar Jar's back as a Sith Lord. Jar Jar is underneath the Kylo Ren mask, obviously. Okay. You know, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of that. You know, the famous. You know, I'm sure they've made a lot of gifs or gifs, however you, whatever floats your dick. Um, where he takes the helmet off and it's charged and he said, he's to me! Right, um, yeah, so that's just a screen cap that is what you Yeah, no, okay. well, yeah, it is. Um, uh, I'm sure you've seen the moment where Darth Vader comes in and he dances to the smooth criminal. Yes. Um, and they yes. say, which I thought that was, yeah. I, I thought that was a big departure from the tones of the previous films, but mm-hmm. hey, you know, I'm not making the movie. Yeah, well, um, at least it was the Alien Ant Farm version of Smooth Criminal. It wasn't the original, and so I think that's what the, kind of justified it for J.J. in his mind. Okay. Um, yeah, but ultimately, I'm sorry I'm spoiling so much of it for you, but I mean, you really should see it. Um, it's, yeah. 
Oh, and there's uh, the Sarlacc pit returns, but it's not like a hole in the ground anymore. It's like kind of like Modoc. It's got a little chair that'll like, kind of travel it around and talks. So, oh, wow, that sounds expensive. It, it was, you could tell, yeah, definitely. But, uh, well, either way, I mean, I don't know how the polls come out, but I would go see it soon if I were you. It's going to leave theaters soon, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, then I'll never be able to see it again. Never. That'll suck. Because that was an agreement JJ said, and it says at the end of the movie, it says not coming out on DVD. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll just come out on Laserdisc. Um, yes. Just to be really inconvenient. And LP, you know, just the audio which, for the movie. Which actually, speaking of that, I did have a moment of, uh, I had to talk myself out of something stupid. I was at a uh, a used bookstore, mm-hmm. and uh, they sell they sell vinyl there. And so usually I'll pick up some old soundtracks or something like that on vinyl because I'm a hipster. Um, but they actually had a section of laser discs, and there were a few movies that I was like, "Oh my god, this is a laser disc of whatever movie it was." It's like six dollars. I feel like I need to buy it. I don't have a fucking laser disc player. I don't even know where I would <laughs> find one. And nor it's, does anyone else. And it's useless. It's a dead format. So I'm like, yeah. I can't, like, at least with vinyl, like, like, well, I've got my record players, so I can play whatever I want. But that it's like, this would literally just do nothing for me. I could maybe hang it on the wall. But, yeah. But it, it, it's not like they're picture discs. They would just look like a giant CD that I just have <laughs> laying on my wall. So I'm like, no, don't buy this. This is stupid. Yeah, I mean, you know, with, with LPs, I mean, you can buy a record player at you know, like, uh, urban outfitters and shit, you know? So, I right. mean, you know, they're, they're pretty commonly found. So at least an LP is like, okay, you know, obviously it's a dead format, but you know, the nostalgia of the millennials has, you know, made them easily available at this point. Right. So. Which speaking of that, um, the other bizarre thing is that not only can you buy vinyl and a record player at urban outfitters, but they sell, uh, cassette tapes and tape players now. My God. Like, Which, like Walkmans, like yes. walk around. Wow. Yes. Exactly. And I was like, mm. that's bizarre. Because with, with vinyl records, you can make the argument that the sound is crisper, that, you know, it does sound different, and it's it's, it's a more tangible, you know, format to have, and it's kind of art mm-hmm. as well as music. Uh, there is no, I can't think of any argument for a cassette, because it's like, oh, well, it's portable. Yeah, well, so is an iPod. Yeah, but it's like a plastic cassette tape, and if you play it too much, the tape will wear out, and you can't listen to it anymore. It's like... <laughs> Well, that sounds really awful. That sounds like a stupid, stupid thing that I'm glad we moved on from. So. The, o- the only reason that I would want to own a record player is so if I was listening to something, you know, like the Ghostbusters theme over and over, um, that if somebody came in and they told me something shocking that I could run over and, like, move the needle really quick, so it went... Yeah, that's true. It does make yeah. for a dramatic... Yeah, and you can't do that with a tape player. Some, mm-hmm. you know, can't be like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and like rewind on the on the uh, cassette tape, like that's not mm. gonna that doesn't they're not gonna even hear that. It would just be in your headphones, so that doesn't make any sense. Wait, Zach, you're pregnant. Um, well, I'm fat enough, so yeah, I could. <laughs> <laughs> okay, be... let's let's fucking get started. I would say we? note to self: have record scratch sound at the ready for next episode. <laughs> for everything. For, have, All right, and so I'll have a start sound movie. Yeah, I'll have our sound. I'll have our uh, our soundboard built uh, by next week. It'll just be uh, just be clip uh, clips and uh, record scratches. Well, you only need two sounds on a soundboard. You need record scratch and you need John Cena theme music. Well, that's true. That's I was, it. I was gonna go with uh, like '90s live studio audience sounds. So it's like if something oh, like yeah. if you were like yeah 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 the, you know. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, who's in Clo- 10 Cloverfield Lane, super hot, and then the crowd go, Ooh! 
or for when we kiss on the show that it goes or aww. Oh, I imagine when we kiss, it just goes boo. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds of vomiting. Right. I'll I'll put that in there too, just in case. Anyway, let's play the goddamn trailer. Okay, here's Clover. Here's Ten Cloverfield Lane. Children that's what they say when we're together And watch how you play They don't Okay, so, what are your thoughts on this trailer? Like I said, and I, and I didn't mean to uh, go too hard before we even played the trailer, J.J. knows how to market a movie. This this makes me very, very reminiscent of um, Super 8, where, you know, it's very much something is happening, you know something big is happening, we're not going to show you until you come see the movie. I'm like, that's surprisingly effective. I'd really like to see what's going on. Because as I said, um, JJ said this is not a straight up sequel. JJ's producing this. Uh, he, he did not direct even the first movie. He just produced both of these. Um, and so there could very well be no monster. This could very well be sort of an off brand, either a different altogether, uh, world tragedy or, or event that has occurred. Um, or it could be the remnants of the monster, perhaps that this is still like, you know, radiation from PowerPoints that it, he's destroyed or like, you know, leftover little baby monsters that, you know, crawl around and kill people still or whatever it may be. Some kind of, you know, Holocaust that has occurred on the planet Earth that uh, has now caused uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Goodman, who are the t- main stars of this movie, along with some other dude that's in the underground shelter with them. And so I, I really thought this was a very well done trailer. You know, it starts off um, looking like it might be, who knows, Room 2, or, you know, like some, something kind of maybe a little bit more upbeat, and then very quickly moves into musically the sort of horror of what might be happening outside. I really, really like it a lot. My only concern, because I really like the idea of uh, of trying to build suspense and, and drama, especially in such an enclosed area, mm-hmm. because as the trailer goes on, it's like, hey, they're making fluffernutter sandwiches, and you know everything's cute, and the music's all peppy, and then it starts to get more and more creepy as it goes on, because it's like, oh god, what if you were really trapped with John Goodman, and he's just making you watch King Ralph over and over again, and you gotta get the hell out of there. <laughs> Um, but my only concern is that the payoff won't be there. That when she looks at the, 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 
window of the door mm. and then covers her mouth. <gasps> and I'm like, okay, whatever that is supposed to be, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm just worried that the payoff's not going to be there. That it's either going to be a twist and it'll be like, oh, it's nothing. John Goodman's just crazy. Or it's just going to be something that just doesn't deliver. That's my only concern. I think the movie, hopefully the movie will just be awesome on all fronts. But my thought, my prejudice going in mm-hmm. is that the the characters will be great. The the suspense will be awesome. You know, the, the film, like 90% of the film will be great, but that the payoff won't be there. That it just won't either live up to it or it'll just be something that's like, oh, okay, that's weird. But the, but the, what got us there was was the journey was enough is what I'm thinking. If it wasn't JJ, I would share that fear absolutely. But I believe that he does twists, um, you know, almost the as the anti Shyamalan that he does, you know, twists and reveals so well in movies that I really feel that uh, that it'll be well done, whatever it is, you know, even if it ends up being uh, nothing is wrong, which which I think is unlikely, you know, putting the name Cloverfield. Uh, in the title of this movie, I feel it's unlikely that this is just an isolated story about a crazy guy that kidnapped Ramona Flowers. Right. Um, so, but John Goodman plays a, an amazing villain, just generally. I feel like he still gets cast a lot, uh, sometimes as the type of, you know, Roseanne's husband type, you know, of like the jolly old, you know, Sully, essentially. Right. Um, but he plays an incredible villain, and uh, I'm really excited for that. He's just a very intimidating person. When he wants to be. Well, I was just going to say, I think it comes with that size. Like, he's this big, jolly, like, dad kind of figure. Mm-hmm. But when it turns sinister, it's like, he's a giant man. Like, if yeah. he wanted to... He could choke the life out of you. Yeah, Especially if it. you're Mary Elizabeth Winstead-sized, you know, he'll absolutely just one arm around your throat and you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looks it looks uh, really good. I'm really excited for it. And it's next week, so we don't got to wait. That's true. And knowing me, I won't see it. You won't see it. Very good. Um, thank God this isn't a movie review podcast. That's true, because that, that would, would just be, be bad. Yeah. <laughs> At least I watched the I watched the poopy stuff that we assign each other. So that's true. Well, apparently that's the only thing I got to do is just start. We got to start assigning each other movies that are in theaters. To, true. Yeah. If you want me to start assign me Star Wars to talk <laughs> about, and then I'll see it. But yeah. If it's, uh... Ship you ship you twelve bucks. So it's, you know, <laughs> <it doesn't... laughs> so this has become a you know costly endeavor. So, uh, um, so trailer number. Oh, any last thoughts on Ten Cloverfield before we move on? Uh, that's about it for me. Okay. So, next trailer. Uh, the first episode of Frightful Ferris, we actually talked about the trailer for uh, the next Purge movie, and we uh, kind of dissected that in terms of, you know, is it a um, misogynistic film because the the lead actress is still a damsel in distress, even though she should be Sarah Connor now, et cetera, et cetera. So, we have another trailer here that we want to play. Uh, in regards to the purge, so um, let's let's do that now. Tonight is the purge. This is it. Our new home. It's gonna be great. New beginnings. It's so beautiful. Black Beverly Hills. We got. What are you worried about? Worried about how you got it. Let's enjoy this. Smell the fresh air. It's nice. Baby, he's got a gun. Happy purge, neighbor. What's with this purge bullshit? People can get away with whatever crime they want for 12 hours. People don't purge in no damn neighborhood like this. Hello, Carl. 
It's a matter of time before our wives want to sleep with you. And I do not want you destroying my wife's guts. So I must destroy you. You think I'm scared of you? <laughs> Fuck. Jesus, I'll be back, Mr. Black. Motherfucker. What's the rule? What rule? The scary movie rule. Yeah. We gotta do the shit the white people don't do. Survive? You have to pay your debt tonight. That's my motherfucking son. And I'll die for his ass. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> hey, man, your breath smell like adult toys. This is my fault. You stole my toilet seat. I don't even like toilet seats. It's one thing about me. Wow. I have never been inside this home. The crown molding is amazing. This would be a great house to live in. Or a great house to die in! See the purge coming April 1st. I don't like that shit. This movie seems a lot different than the first trailer. What they they took a real tonal shift. Yeah, That's, I didn't uh, see the uh, the presidential candidate. I didn't see the lady Bernie Sanders at all. Like this is yeah. seems very strange. Yeah, very weird. Um, <laughs> no, can I say that genuinely? Now again, take this in in mind that. Uh, I will more than likely not be seeing Meet the Blacks in theaters. I might see it when it comes out, but uh, just not in theaters because apparently I'm just anti-theater guy. Uh, uh, you know what would be great if you really just wanted to troll everybody is that don't see Ghostbusters, don't see Star Wars, don't see Deadpool, don't see Cloverfield, go see, see Meet me. the Blacks. <laughs> I'm definitely doing that now. I'll be there yeah. opening night. Um, anyway. You better be careful. Um, no, well, I got to say, um, as much as it's kind of fishing from the same pond of like scary movie and all, and all those films. Yes. It's not awful. Like I didn't, I didn't roll yeah. my eyes. I really didn't. Like when I first really? kind of got the gist of it, I was like, Oh, okay, we're going to do, but I was like that. I don't think it's going to be like, Oh, it replaced Caddyshack as the best comedy of all time. But I don't think by that regard, but it seems like it's less lazy, I guess is the, is what I'm thinking. That it's, especially with the later scary movies, uh, comedies, and, and everything the Wayne's Brothers have done since then, like um, uh, Fifty Shades of Black, um, White Girl, White Chicks, like all these movies since then have gotten kind of lazier and lazier, where they're just like, well, that's kind of a joke, whatever. This seemed like at least there was a structure to it, and it was like they were trying. Uh, for instance, the part where the... Uh, the dumpy white guy towards the end has got the devil mask and he's like marveling at the living room. He's like, Oh my God, the molding here is really, be-. he's like, what a wonderful house to live in or a wonderful house to die in. I was like, that is so very stupid, but I still kind of chuckled. So I don't know. Okay. Well, uh, time for a counterpoint. Uh, so you got to take everything I'm about to say with a grain of salt because you know, You're unbelievably racist. 
Well, yeah, well I was actually going to say that I am, uh, if you people can't tell, um, you people, um, that uh, I am like a seven-foot-tall African-American man. I'm sure that's what people can tell by my right. voice. True. Um, so, so take everything with a grain of salt. Um, you know, uh, here's the thing. I, I don't want to sound like this is uh, prejudice at all. In fact, I, this is the complete opposite to me, that if I were indeed African-American, I would feel genuinely insulted by movies like this and Fifty Shades of Black, where they're making a movie where it just seems so pandering and so extremely offensive in the way that they have to put the the color of my skin in the title in order to try and convince me to go see it. Like Fifty Shades of Black, like this movie Meet the Blacks. Um, I read on IMDb, this was originally known when they did the first spec script as The Black Purge. So you would think, okay, fine, that's that's pretty racist that this was the original concept, like, we're going to make... Um, you know, an African-American comedy about the purge. Well, let's just call it the Black Purge, you know, as the working title here. But to then have the actual title and to still require the, wor- the word black, like to, to insult my intelligence as an African-American man, that you would need to put the word black in the title of this to get me to come see it. Surely if you just show the title and show that this is Mike Epps, um, Mike Tyson, all the mics. Um, King Batchram, Vine, and Charlie Murphy, and showed, like, okay, this is, you know, very clearly a race-driven comedy that, you know, if I was into that as a black man, I would go see it. I'm not a black man. I'm just putting myself in their shoes for a minute here. Um, and so it, it really is uh, borderline offensive to me. I, you know, I try to think of it as if they came out with a comedy that just said, who white people? And just every single character was like a huge white stereotype, like time to put some mayonnaise on some bread, you know, and it, it, I would have no interest in that because I don't view my race as something that's going to be a huge identifier for me that I'm not just walking around thinking white people thoughts, you know, I have interests, you know, I'd rather see a a comedy that was sci-fi based or, you know, horror based or, you know, an action comedy or even a romantic comedy, like all these different types of comedy. There's no reason that when they're making a comedy designed for African-Americans, that that has to be the entire basis for the humor where they have a joke. That's like, man, we got to do what white people never do survive. You know that they can't say, Hey, we're, making a, a movie for emerging an african-american comedy and it's going to be this type of comedy not oh it's just going to be an african-american comedy what type of comedy african-american i already told you that that shouldn't be the case for me i'm sorry i'm not trying to get in a big pc rant here or anything but it's it's very it's very almost offensive to me that's uh that it requires this type of like heavily racially armed jokes in order to try and appeal to this demographic and that i i can't disagree with that and really, I have to say that um, I guess I was more drawn into the idea of the purge involving very dopey white people because that was kind of a lot of their punchlines was like, you know, the 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 what the guy, the same dumpy white guy in the devil mask comes over. He's like, oh, we have to kill you because it's just a matter of times before our wives want to have sex with you. And it's like, yes, that goes along exactly what you were saying. It's like, really, we couldn't just do, it's just low-hanging fruit, the movie. But yeah. with that said, if you were to show me a movie where it was The Purge, but it's a it's majority of just doofy white people, because that's really what The Purge would be, I think is what drew me in. Is It's like the movies played up like, oh, these sociopaths, they're, they're so sexy and they got their crazy masks and they're going to do this. Where it's mm-hmm. like, no, if it was really happening in America, it would be all dumb hicks who are like, woohoo, racist day, and that's it. So, 
I, and I, I guess and that I'm kind of drew me in. Sure, and and in that sense, if that is that if that's a lot of the comedy is the idea of like, okay, the purge is real. Let's let's have people that are actual idiots that have no you know familiarity with a weapon and you know end up really like screwing it up and blowing their own brains out on purge night because let's be honest like who who is out there that actually is going to have military experience that's going to go out and purge it's going to be a lot of you know upper crust white people that you know really have no familiarity with even how a chainsaw works you know and right. so 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 that would be okay but i just have a feeling that's not going to be where the, a lot of the comedy very goes. true probably accurate it's going to be mostly just like black people and that'll be the end of it and black people white people are different right. credits yeah. you know and i just i don't know uh like i said I, I just i would be very very offended and i'm not you know i'm not trying to come from because I, I have a feeling that uh, nobody has listened to a single of our episodes this far, and yet as soon as I get on a rant about uh, African-American comedy, that's when people are going to find this and be like, oh, my God. Right, yeah, really this, is the big, about this. this is the big turning point episode. So I, I don't I want to make that very clear is that, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of what it would feel like to be an African-American audience member seeing this trailer as opposed to just saying, like, well, I would never go see Barbershop, you know, like that's not what I'm trying to say. Understood. Understood. Now, uh, awkwardly enough, the next trailer that we have to talk about is The Darkness. And it's not about... Charlie Murphy! Darkness! Yeah, it's, not, it's not about uh, a, a Chappelle show sketch drawn out into a full-length feature film, although that could have worked in its heyday. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and play this now. Hey, Mikey. Do you know the Indians that used to live around here thought this place was haunted? Legend says that the guardians of their spirit world lived in the rocks and the trees. That one day, they're going to come back into our world. Don't be a jerk. Like, I didn't mean anything by it. Mikey knows that. Hey, buddy, do me a favor and listen to mommy today. Breakfast, Stephanie. Later. Uh, bags on the table, Mikey. Remember? <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Can you tell Michael to One, stay out two, of my room? He keeps leaving five. dirty hand marks everywhere. We never talk about him. We never talk about how he affects all of us. It's getting creepier and creepier. One. Getting angry doesn't help. You're scaring him. Two. He's scaring me. Three. Oh, my God. Hey, who's up there? Bye. Michael's been acting strangely. I mean, what are we dealing with here? Where you have been? It's the home of very powerful spirits, chopped in another dimension. The god you might be familiar with cannot help you now. Sweetie, don't put your hands in this, honey. You're leaving my... <laughs> One, we're all gonna pay. Two, four, five. 
Okay, my first problem, Kevin Bacon, why aren't you making Tremor sequels? Why are you why are you faffing about with this crap? I came in the other day on my like eighty six year old grandfather watching Tremors. I'm like, What? <laughs> what is going on here? It's like, Oh, this is an old movie, so therefore it's okay. I'm like, this is still Tremors. There's like a lot of sequels to these and they're generally regarded as not very good at the sequels. Um, but uh, no, yeah, another movie to add into the, uh, you know, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon here. Do you recognize the kid, the kid in the glasses? No, but I kind of want to punch him, if that helps. Well, this will make you want to punch him even more. He's Bruce Wayne on Gotham. Super want to punch that kid out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, want to punch that kid two times now. Yeah, on the terrible Gotham show, he is indeed Bruce Wayne, and uh, maybe this is an origin story for becoming Batman. I mean, that's true. That's true. I don't know though. What did you? What? Um, there were definitely things I liked about the trailer. Um, there are definitely things that I don't like about the trailer. Um, which I know I'm breaking ground here. There were both positives and negatives. No, uh, <laughs> I I like that instead of just jumping to it's a creepy kid movie, it's. Mm kind of towing this weird line about like um like social disorders because they're kind of churching it up or at least i read into it that they're churching it up that there's the kid has some sort of um issue on the on the spectrum of like autism or something like that but there's something not normal about the kid I didn't read that, but that'd be very interesting, and and I would that would certainly turn this movie around for me if they said, listen, this kid has Aspergers, you know, and so you know he already acts a little weird sometimes. So then well, when he starts Kevin like Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon, kind mm -hmm. of uh, in the very beginning, he's like, okay, I need you to listen to your mom today, and you know what do we say about that? And the kid's like, Mah! and he just kind of like takes a step back, and then the girl uh, halfway through the trailer says, oh, we never talk about him and what he does to this family. And, you know, mm. but it's like, da, da, da. so that's what I kind of took from it is that he has some sort of disorder and that's why he doesn't say much in the trailer. And so it's kind of, I, that's what I thought it was building up. Well, well, that makes that older brother way more of a dick for trying to scare that kid. Right, when exactly, there. exactly. So, so um, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that concept of like, it's not just, oh, hey, it's, you know, uh, the grudge or something like that. And it's just a creepy yeah. kid story. It's like, okay, what if it's a kid that you can't really communicate to constantly like you'd like to anyway? And then what if something goes worse? And it's like a lot of it, you know, they're talking about, oh, it seemed like they, they weren't sure. It's like, okay, is there something genuinely wrong here? Or is the kid just need, like, stronger meds? Like, what's the problem? Um, which I, I think I that wish, should be interesting. Yeah, if, if that's what they're going with, I wish they would have made that more clear in the trailer and not tried to beat around the bush about it. Maybe they were a little scared about, you know, oh, you know, somebody not wanting to see this because they feel it's offensive to, you know, their son that has XYZ disorder or whatever it may be. True. But I wish that they had just gone a little harder with that because that would have been a really interesting, I hate to say gimmick, but, you know, a, a really interesting gimmick for what is otherwise a very formulaic uh, horror movie for what's coming out now, which is, mm -hmm. you know, the story of, Oh, uh, we went out and, you know, we touched some kind of glowing rock or interfered with one, some kind of, you know, spirit, and now the kid is possessed. And that's, I mean, you, you could tell this is going to be a PG-13 horror movie because yeah. you could tell that they, they like to replace the blood with other colors, you right. know. So what could have been blood pouring out of the kid's mouth is just black ooze, and they got a lot of black handprints going on the wall, and you're like, ah, eh, you could have just done, I mean, there, there's way easier ways to do, like, disturbing images or whatever it may be, um, but with a PG-13 horror movie, you know that they're going to be going for a lot of the kind of, not cheap, um, but uh, maybe more subtle scares. You I would know, say not nothing. straightforward, I would say. 
Yeah, and so... And I have I just, to say, about that imagery with the hands on the wall when it, towards the end, mm-hmm. when it does like all the black handprints, that I, I don't have a problem with. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. The part yeah. that I have a problem with is when the door opens, and there's a handprint on her mouth and on her chest. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh. okay, that's hackneyed. Like, the, the wall, you had me at the wall, like, that was okay, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. But the, like, ooh, I got touched by a ghost, I was like, that's, <laughs> that's going to be very difficult to take seriously. I could just see the, the scary movie 7 parody of that, where the black handprints, like, appear on her boobs and exactly, start, like, going down exactly. her stomach, you know. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think especially because we're doing an, another trailer in this segment that is an example of those PG-13 haunting movies that we are so blessed with now. I mean, that's the problem is that that's almost every movie. I mean, uh, Insidious was one of them that kicked him off. Sinister definitely falls within that spectrum. It's a little different, and I like the first Sinister. I didn't see the second one. Um, but Sinister falls under that. You know, The Conjuring definitely falls under that. And this is a, yet another. Um, and it just feels like uh, this is what horror is doing nowadays. They know that, you know, 13-year-olds want to take their their very first girlfriend to go see this movie. So they know they got to make a PG 13 horror movie. They know they got to make some cheap jump scares. They know that they have to give, you know, these lowest common denominator teenagers what they want. And it's a shame. I wish that we were getting other stuff and it seems like we're really not. Would you, would you compare this to the, uh, the slasher craze of the eighties? Somewhat, but, um, you know, I think that the slasher craze of the 80s was maybe less interested in pleasing audiences because clearly they were making radio horror movies that were pissing a lot of people off. Uh, these movies are pissing off nobody, and and they have no intention of pissing off anybody. You know, the only people they might piss off is a very, very small group of religious people that say, oh, my God, the trailer said God can't save you. You mentioned God. You mentioned his name in vain. Um, but, I mean, you know, you got to think, like, slasher 80s movies, I mean, those made a lot of people boycotting theaters and stuff because of how violent they are. And we're making your, our children violent and blah, 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 you know? And so I, um, I definitely don't feel, you know, I would have much rather be in in an era where they're making more slasher movies and that maybe uh, studios were willing to take more risks to do something that they felt was either good or push the envelope. In a, in a True. Group. But my point was not necessarily in, in offending people, but like in the sense of, it's it becomes this crazy self fulfilling prophecy where it's like you know oh well this slasher movie worked so now all slasher movies need to work and it's just everyone and their mother rushing to make this same sort of movie and okay, then we just yeah. ride that out until everyone's sick of it and then it's like okay okay we're done then we, in know, that we sense yes else. yes where they're trying to you know where they saw oh my gosh Friday the Thirteenth made so much money uh, becoming really famous let's pump out you know every holiday themed slasher movie and every, you know, like terrible Jason ripoff that we can possibly pump out for a cash cow, then yeah, that absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Any other, uh, well, let's talk about what you actually thought of, of, uh, the darkness. Cause I just kind of jumped right into, does this kid have autism and he's evil? Uh, so... <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I, I thought exactly when I said that. I, I felt it was very formulaic there. Um, I think that it seems like it's going to be relying on a lot of PG 13 jump scares. Oh, the dog, the puppy jumped out of the tree house and scared you, you know, but I, right. I can't see them doing a lot of things creatively. And the one thing I was going to say, and we'll, we'll maybe get into this a little more of the conjuring trailer is that if you're going to do one of these, um, uh, if you're going to do one of these movies, you have to develop a specific aesthetic for it, which I feel that Insidious definitely did. Uh, Insidious developed an aesthetic. They developed 
a, a look to their movie that distinguishes it. Um, and I think you would have to do that if you're going to try and make a successful PG-13 possession movie, that it, that it has to have an aesthetic. Conjuring, I think, teeters on that. Um, and clearly, that I guess they worked because they're making a sequel, but... Um, you know, that's my opinion, is that if, if you're going to do the formulaic now, if you're going to have some kind of artifact that possesses the kid in the family, it's got to be a little bit different. And I'll, I'll be really, I'll be super cool with it if they go the Asperger's route. I'll be like, okay, cool. Well, At least they tried say, something. Since you've made reference to The Conjuring, let's go ahead and watch the trailer for The Conjuring 2. Do you know when the voice is going to speak? Sometimes. Does it ever say things just to you that you can only hear? Yes. Does it feel like it's coming from inside of you? More like it's coming from behind me. Like I'm being used. What does it say? It said it wants to hurt you. When did it say that? Right now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, are you for or against the fact that it's a it's a prequel? Um, wow, uh, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't realize from the trailer it was a prequel. I well, thought the opening thing it says nineteen seventy seven. I thought that that was just a flashback in the beginning of the movie. I didn't realize that um, that uh, the whole movie was going to be set in nineteen seventy seven. Oh, I don't know if it is or not. I assumed it did. Like, yeah, like, I mean, you might be right. I mean, I might have just been very. Uh, I feel like I. Oh man, I gotta take that tweet down. I tweeted out like, uh, oh boy, I thought that um, you know Lorraine, uh, that the, the Warrens. That's that's their. Uh, is that who they are? Yes. Yeah, that the Warrens that they had retired at the end of the first movie, but apparently no amount of ghost or demon drama will keep them from that sweet cash. Oh, I should take that down if this is a prequel. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> um. 
I don't know. I uh, uh, I don't know. It's just I feel like you mentioned before the there is definitely a formula that is developing um, in regards to these PG thirteen spooky ghost mm-hmm. movies, jump scare paloozas. But I feel that this is even more so formulaic that it's if you have a if you have a uh, if you roll the dice and okay we need another PG thirteen spooky jump scare movie mm-hmm. and it did well that nobody has the wherewithal to go okay well let's make a sequel that does this they all go well we pretty much used up all the ideas in our in our garbage bag that we were using for that first movie mm-hmm. so we just have to go back and tell an origin story because that's what happened with. Um, Annabelle, that happened with uh, Lady in Black, I think, um, or Woman in Black. I totally forgot that Annabelle was something that was uh, introduced in The Conjuring. Yeah. Wow. So they all, it's like this big reoccurring thing where it's like they just don't have the the ability to mm-hmm. tell the next chapter. So they're like, well, let's just go about how did it get spooky in the first place. And it's like, yeah. you don't. Not everything is going to be that compelling. Not every, it's you know. true. Yeah, no, it's crazy to me. This is actually the third Conjuring movie, technically. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'll fall on the opposite spectrum. I'll give The Conjuring some credit to say that it feels like because they now have a little bit more to live up to because this is the second movie and because the first one apparently did well. Do you remember the first trailer for um, the first Conjuring? Was that the one with the clap? With the clap yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a very well effective trailer. trailer. I remember yeah. everybody was talking about that. Yeah, no, very, very effective trailer. I remember, I think I was working at a movie theater at the time, and, and there was other people who'd be like, you know, we'd be done seating a movie because the trailer started, and they'd be like, no, 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 come in and watch this trailer. And I remember getting chills, standing there in the theater watching this trailer and being like, oh, my God. Um, and then having a pretty disappointing movie that had very, right, exactly. uh, very, very, very few high points in it. Um, but no, honestly, I mean, I think it looks like, from what I can tell, they're maybe choosing to do a bit more interesting scares. Like, yes, you still have something leaping out from the darkness, quite literally. Um, but the, with the darkness trailer, I mean, you got a dog jumping out. I mean, we, you know, uh, we just saw the movie we watched last week. You know, that happened last week. In fact, that was a very, very common scare, an animal jumping out. Um, I think that's happened in every movie we've reviewed, we've reviewed so far. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so, uh, you know, that, that to me is not creative at all. But uh, the idea of, like, oh, this girl's paralyzed, stuck to the ceiling, and then all the crosses on all the walls, like these, you know, dozens upon dozens of crosses start turning upside down, it's creepy. And I think it messes with people's sensibilities. Let, let me jump in one second with that scene. Sure. On paper, yes. The scene, there's a girl, she's alone in a dark, spooky room, and there is, like, two dozen crosses of varying shapes and sizes on the walls. And one by one, they all turn upside down. I get that that should be spooky. That was not spooky to me in any regard. And I think here's... you with the old spoops? No, no spoops up the butthole. Nothing. Um, And I think here's why. If I was writing that scene... What the fuck else can I do? It's like they either are all going to flip upside down or they're going to fall off the wall. And that's about it. It's true. You know, you pretty much do expect it. You know, I, I mean, they had already set the scene when we were perhaps in the movie when you're introduced to that room and you see there's crosses everywhere. Perhaps it might not be as obvious. But being in the scene where you see things are already spoopy, um, she's already fallen from the ceiling onto the floor and there's crosses everywhere. I mean, you can imagine it's just like you said, they're either going to flip over or they're going to like fire off of the wall like a shotgun. Yeah. Um, and so. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think that still, I mean, watching that, it seems like they do, it's like the aesthetic I talked about, that um, you have the music box from the first movie, and this one has, uh, I don't know what you call them, but the, uh, like, early animation spinning light thing that you saw under the tent. Which, what did you, did that remind you of anything from another uh, not great movie? Another not great movie? Oh, boy. Well, I mean, it reminded me of the first Conjuring, certainly. Um, I, I, I think I... It's on the tip of my tongue, but I, I don't exactly remember which horror movie did have it. It reminded me of that really bad uh, mid-90s remake of House on Haunted Hill. Oh. Because oh. they put, um, what's-his-face, um, oh, frick, his name, uh, Barbosa. They put him mm-hmm. in one of those things, and it was like a weird thing, and he had to put goggles mm-hmm. on for some reason. I don't know, that's just what it reminded me of, and I was like, wow, what a really poopy movie that was. And... and, <laughs> and Chris Kattan was the ghost that saved the day. Ah, that movie's got problems. Anyway. My I mean, God. That's a, uh, that's a story for another time. I may, <laughs> I, if I, You better pray to God that I don't win one of those trivia contests because that's the movie we'll be doing then. That's what we're going to be watching. Oh, gosh. All yeah. right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I just think that there were, there were still a lot of uh, uh, issues with it, sure. Um, there's definitely validity to what you're saying. It's still it, it's one of the movies that helped to develop this formula beca- right. you know, because – I mean, James Wan, he's one of the main culprits. You know, let's be mm-hmm. completely real. Um, aside from Saw, everything else he's done has been extremely formulaic. Um, I, and I'm somebody who likes Dead Silence, but I still uh, I still think that it, it falls in that spectrum. Um, I think that um, that said, that I think that maybe because this is the second movie, that he's got a little bit more to live up to because there was a first one that apparently did well enough to not only get a spinoff, um, but also get, uh, you know, a, a straight up sequel that there's got to be something new and something interesting that he's trying with this. Uh, so I, I'm, I'll see it, you know, sure. Like I'll, I'll give it another try. I'll give PG 13 horror a second chance to try and impress me with something new and interesting as opposed to just pumping it, pumping it out as much as they possibly can because they know 14 year olds are going to go see it. All right. Story. All right. So, um, should we go to the final trailer for this episode, then? I think this is time for our final trailer, folks. This is time for the Ghostbusters trailer. That's okay. She seems peaceful. My name is Erin Gilbert, doctor of particle physics. Ah! That's stuff one everywhere, by the way, in every crack. Very hard to wash off. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Holtzman, you're a brilliant engineer. Erin, no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real service. I'm joining the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. (laughs) Uh, You didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac! 
Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. Did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. And we might be the only ones who can stop it. Holtzman, come on! The hat is too much, right? Is it the wig or the hat? There's a bigger picture at hand here. These ghosts can possess the human form. talk about the the journey that i went on with this trailer let's hear it when i first watched the trailer i saw it uh when it first came out what was it monday watched it monday Mm -hmm. and was kind of wishy-washy about it then i got hit with this overwhelming wave of negativity from the internet that everybody was calling for like a boycott of the film that this was this is spitting on on the franchise that uh that harold ramus is spinning in his grave blah 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 and so I was like, I don't know if it was that bad. And so I kind of watched it again. And then I watched the, there was a recut fan trailer where the, essentially they just sort of trimmed up some of the timing of the jokes and put in the old theme song and it worked out very well. Mm-hmm. And so the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm dwelling on it, the more I kind of see where the movie's coming from. Yes. Um, I, I'm glad that we sort of blew through the other trailers because there's a lot to talk about with this. Um, the first thing is, uh, I think we could just talk about kind of how the internet is reacting. So there's really two sides to the internet right now. There's the side that is really obnoxiously, uh, this is a lot of like, you know, high schoolers on the internet uh, saying this, but a lot of the like, women aren't funny. Right. Um, and yeah, and this is a legitimate crowd you can find. You can absolutely find this on YouTube. This does exist to all the, you know, the feminists out there that claim that this exists and, you know, that, you know, might otherwise be off basis. No, th- this definitely does exist. There are, uh, misogynistic men out there who are just saying that this should not have been at all female Ghostbusters. This doesn't look like it's going to be funny. Um, and then there's the cast that, uh, the, the whole group that just says, I, don't think this is going to be good. This looks bad. It has nothing to do with the all-female cast. And that is the group that's actually being criticized more than anything because they get people coming in that say, what's the matter? Can't handle a little bit of women? And they go, no, I just think this looks bad. It looks not funny. It looks bad. And they're being highly criticized and being accused of being sexist. And so there's a great point I read just last night where – they're almost theorizing that the studio did this on purpose because it's almost like a failure-proof plan that anyone that criticizes this movie will be accused of being sexist. Um, and uh, 
I, I personally don't think that was the intention, but that is a real theory going around right now is that they were okay making this, is that they, they wanted to cast it as all women because they knew that even if it turned out bad and people didn't like it, that people would hesitate to criticize it because it's an all female cast. Well, my theory always was that they, some studio executive said, well, we can't find anybody who can do a good impression of the original guys. So let's just do, you know, women, so then they won't make that comparison. Like, you can't compare a lady to to Bill Murray. That's crazy. And it's like, yeah. you didn't have to go that far. You could have just told a different story. You didn't have to go like, oh, these need to be just like these characters. But uh, my point that I wanted to make was um, I'm kind of somewhat defending this, this trailer mm-hmm. because they have a, a steep hill to climb no matter what, and here's here's why. Obviously, it's an it's a nostalgia thing. You've got yes. you've got a franchise that, other than cartoons, has never really been touched since the original movies. Mm-hmm. So people are already holding it in super high regard. Yes. Number two, and here's the mo- the thing that I I kind of had to take a step back on. The guy who is who is uh, I believe directing, and I think had a hand in writing it. I'm not 100 sure about that, but I know he's mm-hmm. directing it. Is the same guy who did uh, Bridesmaids, and when you when you have that in mind, when you watch the trailer, you go, oh, yeah, this feels a lot like Bridesmaids. Um, same kind of, like, tone, same sort of, like, um, uh, like pep to the jokes and, and how it sort of flows is very reminiscent of Bridesmaids. The gross-out humor with women of uh, Kristen Wiig getting slimed, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff is all kind of reminiscent of, of how Bridesmaids worked. And so that got me thinking... This is really a no-win situation for for anybody trying to remake Ghostbusters, and here's why. Um, on you would assume with the franchise like that, oh, we'll just make the movie just like the old ones. Do it, just make them just like that. Well, that doesn't work. You can't make a comedy now and have it. You can, you couldn't make those movies now. It just wouldn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And 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 when you try. The current audience wants nothing to do with it. Because look at, um, what the hell was it? Superman Returns? Yeah. That movie was made to be like a Christopher Reeve Superman movie. That's what mm-hmm. the whole driving force of that movie was. Now, it wasn't perfect by any means, but that was the theme of it. And what happened? Everyone was like, this movie's dumb! Like, nobody got into the the aesthetic of it. The, 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 it's that's true. what the kind of what it was trying to be. So you can't make the new Ghostbusters like the old one because the humor is different now. They don't make comedies like that anymore. So you can't do that because if you do, your new audience that you want to get to come see the movie is going to have no interest. They're not going to think it's funny. Like I have a, I have a a 13 year old uh, sister-in-law and Mm -hmm. uh, if I showed her Caddyshack, she's not going to think that's funny. She's going to go, this movie's dumb. And who are all these old guys? That's not going to resonate with her. So, if you're trying to cash in on this new audience, you can't make an old comedy. You have to update it with the times. And then mm-hmm. the same way, you can't just make it completely different because you're still trying to bring in that nostalgia. You're still trying to tie it in. So I feel like it's kind of this unwinnable battle for them because it's like, well, you're going to piss off the the people who are you know holding the old movies as a security blanket because you're not able to make a comedy like that anymore. You mm-hmm. have to update it to make it more like Bridesmaids, to make it more like uh, like The Hangover, like the, the comedies that have 
have really worked in the past few years are not like those old comedies. So you can't you can't just be like, nope, it's going to be like it's just like we made it like it was an '89, and to hell with everybody, and that's how it's going to be. It's like, well, then guess what? You're going to have the fanboys who are going to go see it when they have like when they have a babysitter for their kids or whatever. But for the vast majority. You know, Deadpool wasn't made like a 1980s movie. It was made with this kind of weird meta humor and blah, blah, blah. You kind of have to go more towards that direction, whether you want to or not. So I feel like they're going to have an uphill battle no matter what, even if it's all women, if it's no women, if it's uh, all my, all, you know, people of color, if it's no people of color, they're mm-hmm. always going to have that issue because it's like, well, you can't please everybody because you can't make it like the old movies because you can't sell that anymore. You couldn't pitch Caddyshack today. You couldn't pitch animal house today as it is the movie studio would be like that's filthy nobody wants to see that that's dumb yeah and the perfect example of that is that you know animal house today is is neighbors right exactly so it it has to be different and has to evolve and uh you bring up an interesting point and i think the word nostalgia is definitely something i want to latch onto here and talk about a bit is that the whole nostalgia goggles aspect of ghostbusters um it was interesting i was actually watching some clips from ghostbusters after watching this trailer because i was trying to see how difficult it would be to take the actual just script itself, just the jokes flat out as they were, regardless of, you know, what Ghostbusters is or what we know it as or how it stands in our pop culture. Or or how the actors portraying it. Yes, or or how the actors are portraying it. I was trying to just take the scripts in. And first of all, it's extremely difficult to do that without any nostalgia whatsoever, to, like, hear a Bill Murray line in Ghostbusters and not just, like, giggle like a schoolgirl, but instead to say, okay, let's just imagine for a second this is not Bill Murray. Let's just imagine this is just the joke itself. And and when you do that, you you don't see the God's gift to comedy dropping down. I mean, it's, you see what is a really, really good concept, which obviously they're carrying over with this movie, otherwise it w- couldn't be called Ghostbusters, a really, really good concept um, and a really good look and feel to the movie. Because honestly, to talk about comedy for a second, which is what everybody's uh, criticizing this, um... When I think of Ghostbusters, I don't think, oh, my God, let's put it on so I can pee my pants. Right. You know, I don't think, like, the funniest movie of all time. I think a really, really great movie that is a really good package as a whole because a lot of it has to do with the action and, like, the whole hero's journey aspect of it. Not necessarily just the roll-out-of-your-seat laugh of, of Ghostbusters, but what is a funny movie that also has a real great uh, structure to it. That's it's these kind of hapless heroes that nobody believes in that ended up saving the city, you know, which right. is, uh, and that's something that I really like about the movie, not the, you know, oh, let me ROTFL, but, you know, let me watch this movie that is very satisfying from those different spectrums because it has the action, it has the comedy, um, and it has the sci-fi and the look and feel and the really interesting things going on, which definitely seem to carry over. I love the look of the ghost in this. I like the look of the Ghostbusters tech in this, in the new one. Um, I'm really happy with how it looks. You know, I'm hoping they don't go completely overboard with the 3D stuff, which it seems like they might. But I love the look, like the Beetlejuice-ass looking, you know, oh, Tim Burton ghost. Yeah, yeah well, I'm like, this is one awesome. Of the things, one of the things that made me laugh is uh, one of the criticisms that I heard was about the ghosts. And, oh, well, you know, you think... 32 years later, they'd make them look good. Like, those look like, you know, about as good as they did in the first movies. Like, I thought we had better technology now, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What happened to this should look like the old movies, this should feel like the old movies? Like, 
<laughs> if you if you completely change the design and you're like, nope, they don't look like that. They're not brightly colored anymore. Mm-hmm. They're not. They are brightly colored. colored. That's a, they're they're bright blue. I love no, that. No, they're not. They have to be dark gray. <laughs> And they're all just like sad mimes, and that's all the ghosts. Then people would be like, "Well, why do they Slimer doesn't look like Slimer anymore?" Like, it just seems like people are just angry. And I know he was fucking Slimer then. If he doesn't look like Slimer, no, he's Slimer (laughs) because he's got a little name badge that says that's Slimer. That's how it's supposed to be. That Um, is one of his. uh, Yeah, that's one of his trademarks. Is he says I'm Slimer. (laughs) He's got a he's got a ghost lanyard that clearly says Slimer on it. Yeah. Um, uh, but oh, I thought it was I. I again, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to fit snugly against one and two in terms of Ghostbusters. But that doesn't mean it's going to be a bad movie on its own. It's true. Uh, now, there's two things I wanted to briefly mention about um, the, this concept. Sure. Um, number one, I think it's interesting that there isn't a direct copy and paste in terms of the characters. And what I mean is when I heard that this whole thing was going to go, was going to happen and that it was going to be somewhat of a reboot, that it appeared that they were going to do like a one-to-one comparison. It was going to be like, okay, now this person's Ray and this person's Egon and Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. And although we do have the Ernie Hudson, Winston, oh, here's the, you know, uh, the African-American character from the streets is, is part of the gang, mm-hmm. which is getting all kinds of controversy, which, again, yes. they did the same thing in the first movie, by the no, way. No, exactly. Um, but I thought it was interesting that, at least from the trailer, it doesn't necessarily look that way across the board. Like, for instance, um, the little quips that we got from all the women, yeah. nobody seems to be Bill Murray. It's true. They all, uh, I mean, all three aside from the, the Winston, the Patty is, is her name, I believe, that, um, that they all are straight up. I mean, not that Bill Murray, Bill Murray's character was a scientist, but you get very little of his, his actual science coming into the Ghostbusters right. team. Yeah. He's 100% just sort of the comic relief there. Um, and there's very few situations that are like, oh, Bill Murray, let's turn to your expertise for this situation. Um, but no, um, they all yeah, seem like a combination of Ray and Egon. Yeah, that seems they point that out, and, and that was the criticism I read as well, is like the whole, like, let's show, not tell, you know, when they do the whole line about, oh, nobody's better at quantum physics than you, you're a brilliant engineer, blah, blah, blah. It's like, show, not tell. Well, this is a this is a two-minute trailer, so you can't show that, you can't show them doing these brilliant equations. Like, you can't just quite do that in a two-minute trailer. You have to just kind of flat out say it unfortunately. And there's tons of lines in trailers that don't make it in the actual movie. So, you know, uh, that's why I'm taking a lot of that with a grain of salt, but finish your point. I'm sorry. Well, and then number two, the other thing that I think is hilarious is, um, you know, let's, let's turn it back two years ago Mm -hmm. and, and, and the Ghostbusters reboot is not even on the radar yet. How does everybody, what is the, what is the general consensus on the first Ghostbuster movies? Number one is great. Number two sucks balls, which I don't believe. I don't. I don't buy into that. I think two is is fine. I um, don't believe either. But yes, I. I, I was but that is the general. That would you agree. not agree? That's the pop culture consensus that it is two not, sucked. Yeah, not only that, but that a lot of people don't even like either of the animated series. Right. You know, exactly. so so you have exactly. Ghostbusters fans that pretty much just latch onto the first movie, and that's yeah, it. That that up until up until this reboot, it was the first movie's great. Everything else kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious that now we get the first trailer for the female-led Ghostbusters movie, mm-hmm. and suddenly it's everything that the Ghostbusters did was great, 
and just the <laughs> black eye on the franchise. That Honestly. Two was, two was perfect. The cartoons were perfect. Uh, high C Ecto Cooler was perfect. The TV tray <laughs> table that you had when you were a kid was perfect. The toys with the choking hazard were perfect. And this movie is poop, and it's going to ruin everything. No, and I was like, what happened to everything except the first movie sucked? Like, what happened to that? It's what happened insane. to why is Dave Couillet uh, Vinkman? Like, what happened to all that? Like, that's suddenly gotten swept away, and now is, no, no, that was all perfect, and now this movie is the problem. It's almost the Terminator effect, where Terminator 3 comes out, and people are like, dog, the worst thing that exists. Um, and then we get, like, Terminator Salvation, and now Genesis with a fucking Y, and... Uh, People are like, oh, Terminator 3 is not so bad. <laughs> I have it... to say, to continue with my characterization here, mm -hmm. I saw Genesis in theaters. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, uh, how was the Khaleesi? Uh, she wasn't bad. She wasn't bad. Um, the Having the Terminator be my dad plot was kind of, like, weird. Like, I could have lived with it if it was just a show. If it was just, like, my robot dad, like, I would have lived with that as a TV show. Yeah. Um, and and old man Terminator beating the shit out of CGI Terminator was pretty awesome. Was it? Yeah, yeah. it seemed like there was a, like, uh, once again, this is another movie that seemed like, uh, first of all, I mean, would you call it a good movie? No, I wouldn't go that far. Okay, yeah, because everybody said it was terrible. But another trailer example, I mean, this is, uh, I like that we're actually talking about what trailers do to movies in our trailer episode, but I mean, that was one where initially you're like, holy shit, this looks awesome. And then once you started to see a lot of the John Connor storyline of him being a Terminator, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Um, I mean, because it seems like such a big spoiler, and it's, and it's automatically telling you that there's three fucking villains in this movie. Right. There's Asian T-1000, there's young Arnie, you know, just fresh out of bodybuilder championship Arnie, right. and then there's, like, bad guy John Connor. Uh, it's crazy to me. I'm like, how did, how did they fit, what is this, a fucking Spider-Man movie? Like, how did they right. fit three million villains in this movie? <laughs> well, when John Connor comes in on the Goblin Glider, it's pretty badass, so, mm. you know. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I feel you. But anyway, so, uh, back to Ghostbusters. So, back to any, Ghostbusters. any other thoughts, like, anything... Yeah, definitely. Um, the, so uh, just a, a few little things. I, uh, when we're talking about how, you know, Ghostbusters to me, the first thing I don't think of is a comedy. You know, if I were to think of just the action of Ghostbusters and the, you know, the battles that are in Ghostbusters, um, I, this seems like it's going to be great. I mean, there's a scene where, like, Melissa McCarthy has on what looks like uh, ghost fighting <laughs> brass knuckles. Yeah, like, I saw that. Ghost in the crazy. face, and I'm like, holy shit! You know, um, that looks great. A lot of the action looks really good. You know, just a lot of the very quick clips of some of the action of the movie looks really cool. Um, I think they just sort of nailed the look and feel of Ghostbusters and the Ghostbusters tech. Um, one of the small things I read that I thought was really funny because I think people at this point are just trying to find every little thing they could do to criticize this movie. Right. So they took just the very beginning where you're hearing the soft like piano version. Of the, of the Ghostbusters yeah, yeah mm -hmm. and um, it says uh, 30 years ago four scientists saved New York and somebody oh, yeah. goes somebody goes um, it was 32 years ago and Winston wasn't a scientist it's like <laughs> are you fucking serious what do you want them to write 32 years ago three scientists and a guy off the street saved New York boy that's catchy <laughs> the I thought fuck? the same thing I was like what the hell? Like, what else are they going to do there? Like, how do you yeah. sell? Okay, you're telling me that having that that two lines of summation of the first movie is 
stupid, and yet you wanted them to elaborate further on it. Like, yeah. I know it only took 10 seconds, but they really should have spent another 30 seconds really explaining, <laughs> like, well, Winston just needed a job, and they needed a fourth guy. To, da, da, da. Like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm sorry they didn't include all that. No, absolutely, and, and that's why I feel like it's getting extreme, the criticism of this movie. Um, I, lo- I also love uh, the song. I love that the, the electronic remake of Ghostbusters gives me chills, man. Like, like seeing just the Ghostbusters logo without the word Ghostbusters coming up to the end with the sort of electronic version of the theme, like, I, I like it a lot. It gives me chills. I've now, watched the thriller a lot of times. Right. Now, here's a, now here's a question, and I'm not by any let – me, let me preface this by saying in no way – Am I trying to suggest that Ghostbusters is going to be anywhere in the same ballpark as The Force Awakens? By no means am I trying to say that. Okay. Because God knows this movie may have problems. It may Mm -hmm. not live up to the hype, you know, whatever. However, is this huge, angry, boner backlash not reminiscent of the teaser trailer for The Force Awakens? To me, not so much. Okay, okay, okay. Think... But what about when the stormtrooper takes the helmet off and it's a young black guy and everybody took a collective shit and went nuts and decided that, oh my God, how could they do this? They don't know what the hell they're talking about. J.J. Abrams, you've ruined it again. I can't believe this. Blah, blah, blah. Dizzy was a bad call. Everybody lost their goddamn mind. And then everything kind of calmed down and everyone went, well, it can't be any worse than the fucking prequels. So let's just kind of play it by ear, and we'll see what happens. And then, look, more and more trailers came out. They gave kind of an explanation, and it was like, oh, okay, okay, let's give it. And then everyone went, oh, it's the best movie ever. So um, is this not unlike that, where it's like everyone's going, this is horrible, this is awful, blah, blah, blah. It's like if we all just calm down a minute, if we all just kind of see where they take it, see what other trailers come out, and give it a shot, that we may be pleasantly surprised. And let's hope that happens, because I agree with you. You're right, there is a similar backlash. I think the issue here is that I think the fan base for Ghostbusters is much worse in this sense, because it is, as you said, a lot of just grumpy, old, fat, like, late 20s, early 30s dudes who love Ghostbusters and, and just want to just wanna see it redone. And just, just fuck it, just bring Harold Ramis back to life, because that is the only way that I will expect... The, like the, the only way that I will like a Ghostbusters remake. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas Star Wars, A, you have a lot of more people that will just blindly love anything that has the Star Wars logo on it, no matter True. what. And B, you have a much broader range of ages that like Star Wars because of the prequels, because of the new animated series things and things like that, um, that you have a much broader range. And it, it, it spans generations a lot more, whereas it feels like, a lot, not a lot of people nowadays are taking their like five year old kid and being like, all right, let's, let's Ghostbusters, you know, like I'm sure there still are, but I don't know that there are a ton of five year olds that are that receptive to it that, uh, are, are, are totally cool with it. It's like you said with the Caddyshack thing, like, yeah, they might either react kind of badly to it because, you know, right in the beginning, you're going to get, you know, a librarian scaring the shit out of you, scaring the shit out of your five year old kid, 
Um, or you're going to get like, I don't, this isn't funny. And like, what, what am I supposed to take away with this is what this five year old kid would be saying, because they don't understand the kind of like dry Bill Murray wit, you know, mm-hmm. or the kind of nerdy, you know, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis that's happening. And, and so I feel like they just it wouldn't really resonate with them. So that's why this is such a specific brand of fanboys and nerds that, that are just filled with rage, right. impotent rage. Right. Well, and, and, and much like we were just talking about, Mm-hmm. You can't, uh, like my previous point, you can't remake those kinds of comedies now. My younger brother, who's only a few years younger than I am, mm-hmm. watched Blazing Saddles for the first time, and he shut it off after like 25 minutes. He was like, this is just a weird racist movie I'm not going to watch. Really? So it's like you can't just copy and paste and be like, well, here it is, because a lot of your audience is going to be alienated by that. Now, I'm not no. saying it has to be, you know, PC, everybody, you know, uh, comedy for everybody, the movie, but... You have to understand the times change, man. You can't just copy and paste that. And I think, like you were pointing out earlier, if you take the jokes just on paper and not who's delivering them, that doesn't make it like one of the greatest comedies of all time. It Mm -hmm. works so well because of the cast and the chemistry between them. You know, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and, and Ernie Hudson, they worked really well off of each other, and that's where a lot of that humor really mm-hmm. worked. So if if you can tell me, if you can promise me that these four women have a similar chemistry between them and can be funny like that, then it's an ensemble piece. Like you said, I don't think of Ghostbusters as this like knee slap in comedy. I think of it as an ensemble piece where it's mm-hmm. like everybody has good lines and it's, you know, uh, if it's a steady paycheck, then I'll believe anything you want or I'll see, I've seen shit that'll turn you white. Like, you know, there are great lines from everybody and so if it's if they've covered that same demographic in this new one, then it's fine. Everybody relax your buttholes. Yeah, and and another one of the big arguments is about the slapstick aspect of this that they feel that Melissa McCarthy, you know, being the kind of female Chris Farley that she has sunk into at this point, that you know, if she's in a movie, she's going to get hit by a car and thrown around and you know, like tossed off of a you know pull out sofa into a wall and like that's just her shtick. And so people were really scared of that when they heard Melissa McCarthy was in this. And then sure enough, you know, you get her getting like you know, bitch slapped by the Ernie Hudson character in this movie. And that's what people really hate. People are very annoyed by Patty, the character of Patty in general. They're just like this loud character who adds nothing to the team. And what does that mean? I know New York, you know, like I'm sure the rest of them do as well. They live there. So, I mean, you know, I mean, that's one of the big criticisms, and I don't necessarily disagree, but uh, the big argument there is like, well, there was slapstick comedy in the first one. It's not just Bill Murray getting slimed, you know, I mean, there's the raining Stay Puft, you know, over the city, and... right. You know, there's, you know, the dancing toaster, I mean, there's there's, definitely slapstick uh, comedy in uh, the original Ghostbusters. Um, and so, uh, once again, it, it feels like something that I'm, I'm not trying to just, once again, blindly uh, support this movie no matter what, um, but I, I definitely feel that, you know, that may not necessarily be where they're going with it, and it might just be something where they know they need to get people in the seats to begin with before they kind of hit them with some of the more, like, highbrow comedy, I would hope. And not only that, though, but if you ever read any of this stuff about the original Ghostbusters movie, so much of that ended up by luck. Because Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy was going to be Winston, um, John Candy, Jim Belushi. Like, there were so many other, other actors who were supposed to be in the movie first that would have completely changed the the whole feeling of that movie. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. And, and, and that's one of the things we were talking about is that, you know, it, it's the cast. It's, uh, that's one of the huge things. And so, yes, you take, um, you know, I, I forget her name, but, um, sort of a, a nobody. She, uh, is she on, uh, Saturday Night Live? Um, the one who's playing the engineer? I think they um, all were at some point. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, but I don't really know her that well. Um, Kate McKinnon, I guess, is her name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she was on Saturday Night Live, but I, I'm not that familiar with her, so you know, I don't necessarily know her style yet. Um, but I, I, honestly, I mean, I generally think most aspects of it sound like they're moving in the direction they should be. It's got the right look to it. Um, it looks like they're going to have the right amount of action. I mean, the whole ghost possession thing, yes, led to that very silly moment that, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like, the bitch laughing Melissa McCarthy. Um, but it also has, you know, what is ultimately going to be a pretty, I assume, good fight, which is giant Chris Hemsworth being possessed by a ghost. Yeah, I think we can all agree that uh, him kicking in the door is definitely him possessed by a ghost. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they say that line where does he kick the door? Is he kicks the door open? Although, if he if he wasn't, I think that would be absolutely hilarious. No, absolutely. That's just how he enters rooms. <laughs> right. you know. He's just like, I got, I made the tea for everybody. If <laughs> yeah, that'll be great, and I think that's another aspect that'll be um, good as uh, women as our Ghostbusters. That you know, there's not going to be any brute force involved in this. You know, that if we're fighting this giant dude. It's legit something they have to kind of put their mind to um, in order to, to handle this situation, to get this ghost, you know, out of their assistant. I just hope he says we got one. That's really what I want. That's true. I hope he does say that. And Ghostbusters, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? Right. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, I was, I'm pleased with this and I, I'm... I'm surprised because I thought, you know, when we first talked about this, that you were going to be really negative and you were going to be arguing the other side of this. And this is going to be like a GOP debate type thing. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think, um, I'm excited. And, uh, oh, we announced all the other dates, but this is July 15th for Joe, for Ghostbusters. So, um, as you guys saw, I mean, you've got your whole summer lined up for you. A summer full of, uh, horror and sci-fi. If you want to go see Meet the Blacks on April 1st as well, uh, which let's hope it's actually an April Fool's Day prank and maybe it's not coming out. Um, they just JK but, uh, it. Um, just kidding. <laughs> and, and like I said, if any, if, uh, if my previous comments about seeing movies in theaters are any indication, I will not be seeing Ghostbusters in the theater. Okay. Well, I, uh, man, <laughs> just, I, I'm, I'm without words. Just please, please just see Deadpool at least. I don't know. I'm just I'm just going to continue to be incredibly frustrating. That's, that's that's for the second time yesterday. Well, too bad for me. Mm, God, you got to see it. All right. Um, anything else to say about Ghostbusters or any of the trailers today or anything else going on? Um, I think if Ghost if the new Ghostbusters movie brings back Ecto Cooler, then all is forgiven and who gives a shit? Yeah, I'm totally cool with that, and I really hope. I I, I think it's likely that they might. Let's be honest. I mean, I'm sure High C has been like. Man, I wish we could bring back Ectacooler. And they're like, we have an excuse! I mean, if they can make, uh, you know, Minions Twinkies, surely the Ectacooler is uh, acceptable to bring back. Right, exactly. <laughs> I feel like that was their uh, their big defense on, like, the marketing meeting. They just, like, slammed their hand and they're like, look, there's Minions Twinkies, okay? We can definitely <laughs> bring back Ectacooler for Christ's sake. Absolutely. Um, great. Well, uh, what do we have to plug this week, Zach? Uh, let's see. I have a new episode of The Final 30 going up this week. 
uh, probably actually about the same time as uh, Frightful Failures goes up. Uh, nice. This one is called Almost Hollywood. Now, if you haven't seen the first two videos I did, I did Absolution. I did um, something incredibly forgettable. And, oh, uh, African Safari. And now this one is Almost Hollywood, which is the first of the Final 30 series where I kind of lose my mind for a minute because it's a really, really bad 90s softcore thriller kind of thing. Which, speaking of, more importantly than my dumb stuff, uh, next week on Frightful Failures, we actually did a little bit of discussing, and instead of watching the crappy Netflix original whatever thing that I kind of pulled out of my butthole last episode, we're going to change it up, and we're going to go with something a little more my speed, and instead of something current on Netflix, instead we're going to be doing some 90s thriller uh, poopiness with a film called uh, All American Murder, starring Christopher Walken. And mm-hmm. I cannot wait to talk about this film. It's, <laughs> I hope that it's going to be as interesting as uh, as the movie is. And it's on YouTube, I believe, in its entirety. So feel free to watch it as well, and then hear our, uh, our thoughts about it next week. Yeah, I, and I apologize for all of you fans of the, bi- the Diabolical, the thought that that's what we were going to uh, review this week or next week, I- I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sure you went out and bought your diabolical hat and your diabolical <laughs> shirt, <laughs> you know, and sitting there, you know, with your diabolical uh, flag next and, to yeah, your the radio. Yeah, little pennant that you were yeah. waving. <laughs> ready to, and your foam finger, ready to listen to us uh, take a dump on it. But uh, no, we are reviewing uh, All American Murder, so you get some nice uh, walking impressions back and forth, I assume. Oh, we done. do the whole episode as both walking. Oh, I'm sure we will. And again, just like uh, Chainsaw Charlie, I'm sure that won't get annoying at all. <laughs> I'm sure it won't. Um, what do I have to plug this week? Um, check out my Tumblr. Still um, uh, gradually posting more writing on there. So it's hauntinginheroes.tumblr.com. And, of course, we want to talk about our uh, social media. So that's going to be on Instagram at Frightful Failures on, and at Twitter at Fright Failures because we couldn't fit Frightful. Um, and then if you guys ever want to get a hold of us, if you stumble upon this and you want to suggest a movie, uh, you can send us an email at frightfulfailures at yahoo.com and uh, we'll be happy to uh, look at your request there. So um, thank you to anybody. Once again, if you leave a review, like us on iTunes, uh, leave a comment on SoundCloud, any of that is all extremely helpful within these first few episodes. Zach, we're going to be coming up on uh, this is our fourth episode. And I don't know if you know this, but the seventh episode is uh, typically what people consider for podcasts to be the kind of make it or break it. Because after seven episodes, people decide, eh, I don't want to do this or um, we're going to keep doing this for a long time. So exciting. Yeah, I was going to say, now I'm now I'm panicking about it. So there you go. Great. <laughs> um, great. So uh, anything else before we sign out of here? Um, no, I think that's it. So, uh, until next time, I'm Zach Romero. And I'm T.N. Quignol. Thank you for listening, and continue circulating the tapes.